I'm an evil man Don't you bother with me What, 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 what Radio Mano, Papachango Season's greetings, as a matter of fact. I'm very excited to be bringing you this episode of Tangentially Speaking, which features my relaxing, enjoyable, wonderful conversation with Trey Hardson. Slim Kid Trey, a.k.a. Slim Kid Trey, one of the founding members of The Far Side, formerly of The Far Side. He's a very interesting guy, real sweetheart of a man, uh, as you'll hear, uh, very thoughtful, kind, deep, soulful, soulful guy. Uh, So we have a good conversation about rap, about growing up in uh, South Central Los Angeles, uh, gangs, you know, the, the situation that he was dealing with as a kid. Uh, becoming a dancer, musician, uh, superstar, you know, they hit, I was out of the country, so I'm sort of oblivious to all this, uh, which he was very, very uh, cool about, you know, didn't get uh, ego, ego warped about anything, about me not knowing his background better, but um, yeah, very interesting, like they got very famous very quickly, and so we sort of talk about what that was like, the experience of you know, hitting the big time and, um, and, uh, and then growing up, you know, and becoming, uh, an adult and, and seeing things through a more mature eyes. So Trey Hardson, wonderful guy. And I really hope you enjoy that conversation as much as I did. I'm coming at you from Topanga, California. In fact, uh, this is an apartment that, uh, Cassie and I lived in for about six months a couple of years ago when I was down here pitching a potential TV series, which was a very interesting time in our lives. It ultimately amounted to nothing, but it was quite an interesting experience just to be inside the sort of shit storm, the bullshit storm that is Los Angeles. Uh, the, there was so much smoke blown up my ass, you know, that I, I was like a ham. I was a goddamn walking ham. And, uh, but it was great in other, in other respects, I got to hang out with, uh, Joe and Duncan and Tal Ruspoli and, uh, you know, Neil Strauss and all sorts of amazing people came into my life in those months. And I'm reminded of that being here now. We've only been here a week, and already I've I've met uh, God, so many new people, wonderful people. Um, for example, I spent an afternoon with uh, Kelly Carlin last week, George Carlin's daughter, and reported recorded a podcast with her. So that'll be coming up soon. Yesterday we spent the afternoon with uh, Jake Johansson, a very prominent, well-known comedian who's been around for 30 years or so. 
He's been on the David Letterman show 46 times or something. And um, very smart guy. Just a really interesting, uh, charismatic, sweet, deep guy, um, as a lot of comedians are, I'm finding. Uh, so it was great. We hung out with him. I did a podcast with him. Uh, we're going to co-release that one, so I'm not sure when that'll be coming. I told him I'd release it the same week he does. So when he gets back to me on his schedule, I'll let you know. That will that may be coming as soon as a week or so, or it might be a month or so, depending on what, what his thing is. And today I was with uh, Zach Leary, Timothy Leary's son, that was really interesting. I uh, did his podcast, so I'd like to love to get him on this podcast as well. But we're just sort of blowing through, and you know, whoever needs me for theirs, that's what we'll do. And you know, when we have a chance, I'll get them on mine. I'm sort of winging it because it's Sunday night. I don't want to skip another week. I skipped last week because of the holidays, and we were on the road. And I thought nobody's going to mind, and most people won't even notice that we skip a week. I was going to try to stop at a Denny's or something and slap one up, but. Um, we actually did, we, we stopped at a, I don't know, some motel or something that had free Wi-Fi that was shit slow and, uh, there was no way I was gonna be able to upload a whole podcast. So anyway, hope it didn't disrupt anybody's week. I know you live for this podcast, don't you? Uh, those of you who, uh, do support the podcast through amazon.com have been coming through uh, I think it's just probably a holiday rush kind of situation. People are buying more stuff around the holidays. But it's really cool um, to see that that money coming in to support the podcast that otherwise would just be going into the deep, deep coffers of Amazon. And you know they don't miss it, right? So please tell your friends, even people who don't listen to the podcast, if you know somebody who spends money at Amazon regularly, explain to them uh, how they can support this endeavor, keeping it bullshit free for I don't know how long now, since 2015 or 14 or whenever I stopped doing ads. Uh, it's really cool. And uh, and I, actually, the podcast is getting more support now than it was financially um, from, from the ad. So I'm really happy with, with that decision, opening up all the archives, making everything free. Fuck it. This should be free. Something Joe Rogan said a long time ago, and I figured I could try to tweak it a little because, you know, Joe's got plenty of revenue coming in from his podcast. Uh, but I found that the best way to uh, to support the podcast was to keep it free. And you folks are really generous with um, Fund What You Love. Uh, 150, 160 or so people signed up there to support the podcast, which we appreciate every month. And others of you are just channeling your Amazon purchases by going to my website, clicking on the Amazon ad there, and then bookmarking the page you land at at Amazon and make that your Amazon page. So then wherever you go to Amazon, just click on your bookmark. It takes you there. And our code is already in there somehow. So whatever you buy at that visit to Amazon, we get between 5 and 10% of everything you spend. And as I've said many times, it doesn't add to your purchase price. It just comes from their money. So when you don't do it, uh, or friends of yours who aren't doing it, and I'm not saying they all have to do it to support this podcast. Duncan does it. Lots of podcasters do it. Support somebody. Uh, if it's not us, then, then make it somebody, make it Duncan, make it Joe, make it somebody. 
because it's cool. It's uh, just diverting money from Amazon to your favorite podcasts. For example, let's look at some things that people have been buying in the last seven days. Okay, so this is, I can I can pull up these Amazon reports. They don't tell me who buys things, by the way. I was talking to a friend earlier who had a big bunch of boxes from Amazon in his living room. And I was like, dude, do you, do you like buy shit from me? He's like, yeah. I said, do you go through my website? He said, no. What, what's your website? What's going on? And I told him how it works. And he was like, well, that's cool. Um... But, like, will you be able to see that it's me buying all these dildos? <laughs> that's, like, that's literally what he said. He was a little concerned that I was going to know about his dildo purchases on Amazon. I can assure you, ladies and gentlemen, there are no names attached to these reports. I don't see who bought anything. But I do see what was purchased. I see how much it costs. I see the advertising fee rate which, as I said, ranges from 4 to 10%, depending on what department it's in, I guess. And uh, and then I see, you know, how much, what our cut is from each thing. So it's pretty cool. Um, it doesn't arrange it, you know, like any way I want. It just goes down, uh, so I sort of have to scroll through to see stuff. Um, so I see some pretty cool things, like... Uh, Somebody got a Cafe Press t-shirt that says, I love fishing with my uncle. It's a toddler t-shirt. So some little baby is wearing a t-shirt that says, I love fishing with my uncle. And the podcast got a buck 20 for that. I wonder I wonder if that was my buddy Brian up in Portland, who's a big fisherman. I got a feeling he might have bought that. A couple of weeks ago, I was joking about somebody bought Amish beard conditioner. And it turns out that was my buddy Liam who, who said, hey, that was me. I bought that Amish stuff. Um, so, yeah, all sorts of interesting things. Somebody bought a, oh, this is this is uh, quite touching, actually, a uh, uh, mastectomy bra. Didn't even know there was such a thing. But somebody bought that using the Amazon account. Thank you. I hope you're feeling good. Um what else? Wigwam Men's Merino Airlight Pro Socks. All right. Somebody got a copy, an audio book of Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. I wonder what that's like. That's a great book. I read that. My dad gave me that when I was 11 or 12. It was far beyond my comprehension, but I was so honored by the fact that he thought I had any chance at all of understanding that book that I just plowed right through it. And, uh, I read it all. I didn't understand it all, certainly, but I read it all. And then I came back to it years later, and it was it was like going to a place I'd lived as a kid. It was really interesting. Now, I hope I don't ruin anyone's surprise, but I see a 14-carat white gold round-cut diamond stud earrings. Hmm. Nice. Uh, and I'm not going to say how much they cost, just in case... A couple or someone is listening to this and it was a gift from one to the other. Don't want to say how much that cost, but um, it sent a sizable, nice chunk of change to the podcast. So thank you, whoever bought that. I hope you love them. I hope you look good with those study rings. And thank you for doing it through our Amazon affiliate and supporting this podcast. Keeping it bullshit free since 2014. What else? Somebody got a blue microphone, Yeti USB microphone. Oh, by the way, I'm speaking to you through a new microphone. This is a whole new setup I'm using now because um, 
I'm going on the road, as you may have heard. And so I've tried to minimize my podcasting gear to a small footprint in my carry-on-only backpack. So this is a new USB mic that I'm trying out, recommended by, uh, what's his name, Tim Ferriss. A friend of mine listens to Tim Ferriss, and he sent me, he said, well, Tim uses this, and it sounds great. So anyway, I got this, and Danny uh, will tell me, Danny... Osment, my sound guy, will tell me if it passes muster or not. So I'm not going to read any more of these. There are some really good ones. Uh, I'm sure my buddy, his dildo purchases will start showing up soon, so I'll uh, I'll highlight those in future episodes. Um, and other things that have been happening, we drove down from Portland to L.A. through the rain, the never-ending rain. It was great. Got down here without incident, although we almost almost had a pretty serious incident. I decided to go off the highway and take a scenic route through Sonoma, and the car was packed, 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 packed. We have a Honda Element, which has a lot of vertical space, and it was just completely packed. And um, it was fine on the highway, but we pulled off and we started going this on this windy road, and I didn't realize that there was some stuff that was kind of loose in the back, and going down the highway it didn't matter, but once I was taking those curves, I was going around a curve and a bunch of shit fell on my head. And I sort of swerved a little bit into the oncoming traffic and there was a truck coming and luckily I swerved back out, but I must have scared the shit out of that guy. Um, whoever it was, uh, he just kept driving and I had to pull over and sort of like get out of the car and freak out for a second that was a close call but other than that no no problem we went and uh recorded a podcast with uh dan pardee the sleep researcher who's been on once before super fascinating guy got to spend some time with him and his wife and his uh little two-year-old des who's amazing and then the next night we went uh in mill valley to see a friend of a guy who listens to the podcast who hooked us up with her I don't want to say her name because there's some legal complications that need to be sorted out before uh, we make our our thing public. But we spent the night at her place, and she's an old friend of Terrence McKenna and John Lilly, the uh, float tank dolphin guy, and uh, Richard Feynman, the great genius physicist. So she's a fascinating person and ha- is full of stories and so we got to hang out with her and become friends with her and we spent the night in the bed that Terrence McKenna used to sleep in when he stayed with her and apparently they spent a lot of time together in this amazing house up on in the redwoods it was just magical and wonderful. So we have slept in a bed that Terrence McKenna spent a lot of time in for what that's worth. I don't know. We couldn't smell anything um but, you know, he probably smelled great. In Los Angeles, as soon as we got here, I did another shrimp parade with uh, Duncan Trussell and Joe Rogan. So if you haven't heard those, I, I recommend you check them out. It's a wonderful combination of perspectives on life. And the three of us just sit down and three hours goes by in 30 seconds. And we just have a blast and never run out of things to talk about and interesting twists on old ideas. And it's just a a great time hanging out with those guys. 
So uh, you can hear the latest edition. It's at uh, Joe's site, Joe Rogan Experience. Just look for the Shrimp Parade or Chris Ryan and Duncan Trussell and you'll see it. And I think it's with the seventh of the series of the three of us. And also I've archived them all on my site, chrisryanphd.com. Just go to podcasts and you'll see the various podcasts that I, I do and you'll see Shrimp Parade as one of the options. So you can stream it from there uh, or I think download. I'm not sure if it's possible to download it. Anyway, <clears throat> thank you for listening to this. I've got something in my throat. All right, so we're here in uh, Laurelhurst Park. Another beautiful Portland day. I don't know how many more of these we, we have left. I'm taking it in. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we've, this is a nice one right here. Hold on, I'm switching this up. There we go. Um, yeah, well, thanks for doing this, man. This thanks is, for having this me. This is cool. This is uh, interesting. I, I have, I've had all sorts of people on this podcast from, you know, uh, sex workers to comedians to writers to scientists to kids. Uh, man, but I've not had any rappers on. Are, do, do you consider yourself a rapper? Is that... Um, hip-hopper. Hip-hopper? Actually, I don't really consider myself anything. Just <laughs> I'm, I'm just a journalist of the times, you know uh, what I mean? All right. So, and it just so happens that I know how to rap. So that's your medium. But I love hip-hop. So well, you started off as a dancer, I was reading yeah, this morning. Right? absolutely. Like, yeah. just, like street dance, hip-hop uh, dance? Break dancing. Uh -huh. uh, I did a lot of break dancing. Uh, actually did a little bit of jazz dancing in college, too, uh. which was just to enhance, you know, me as a break dancer and a house dancer, you know what I mean? But that was the start of it all. What'd you study in college? Uh, psychology was my major, uh -oh. electronics was my minor. Really? Yep. And I wrestled, and I swam. Oh shit. Swim team, wrestling. It's unusual for someone in the, the rap world to, to come into it with a degree in electronics. I wish I had a degree. Oh, part. you, <laughs> so you got successful before you left, before you graduated? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I, I went to El Camino Junior College and, you know, we weren't like the richest family in the world. So I had to kind of like work to put myself through school, you know what I mean? Because my mom's a single parent. Right. And so um, I was actually in ROTC. Uh, in high school and I wanted to fly fighter planes so in order to do that I would have to go through you know I had to go to college first become an officer and then you know join the military and fly fly, fly planes and right. I had a, an epiphany <laughs> I'm just gonna move your mic a little bit because it's rubbing on your jacket there I can take this jacket off. that's all right no, no you're, okay, good. Cool. you're good so um, I had an epiphany like you know maybe this isn't for me Oh, uh, the fighter plane thing. This, yeah, the or, fighter plane military yeah. thing. I just had this crazy vision. And I was just, you know, like if it's if someone gave me the order to blow up some town, that would be me blowing up that town yeah. and not them because they gave the order to do it. Right. And when I was young, I thought about that. And I was like, you know what? Maybe that's not something I want to do. You know, I was like, what if one day um, I'm at some bar and some guy, I'm talking to some guy and he's like telling me the story of, you know, how his city got bombed, you know, and it killed his whole family, the whole deal. And I would, and I would think, well, yeah. damn, that was me that got the order to do that. And, you know, yeah. so like my whole thing about life as I grew up was about what, what goes, like what you do, what else does it affect? Right. You know, so I was like, you know what, maybe being a fighter pilot is not for me. And so after that, I just 
I took that off my you know agenda, but I still loved psychology, and I still dealt in electronics. So mm. out here, I'm doing my meditation thing, which deals with you know dealing with people, and I do um, I do uh, healing sessions for folks too, you know, because like I I still do that part of the the order of things, you know, like and uh, the electronics goes with my music, so and then my writing is both of them as well. Mm. The way that I write has to do with music and psychology. Right. You know, so. so are you, do you play instruments? I, I doodle on the uh, bass. I play the bass to write, and I play the drums to write, actually, uh -huh, okay. too. So when you're writing, now you're talking about writing rap. Yep. Okay, and, and correct me, feel free to correct me, right? I am the dorkiest okay. white dude in the world when it comes to this stuff, okay. right? I'm, I'm pretty ignorant about about this style of music. Um, but when you're writing rap, are you, so you're using the bass, you're writing with music in mind, or do you just write pure poetry and then meld it to music later? So it's, sometimes it's, you know, I have the lyric, all the lyrics, and I find the right, it's like finding the right clothing to go with it. Mm. So like the song that I did called Other Fish, I wrote that because you know, that's how I was feeling. So I was able to just write it. And I needed the right beat to go with it. So the song that we put on the record is actually a remix of the original Other Fish song because it had to go through, like, there was a different, this, this, this musicality called for different feelings mm -hmm. than this other one. So the one that we left off on was the, the, the uh, one that we put on the actual album because it pulled the most out of me. It fit perfectly. It was the right jacket. It was like right. you know, it was like. But that jacket came later. That jacket came later. So when you were writing the words, was there music going through your head, or were you just writing poetry? At that time, no, absolutely not. Ah, Which was that's yeah, that's that was. Um, so I had to bring it to life. Right. I had to bring those words to life, and so now, uh, in other songs, I've had the music in my head first, and I wrote you know, mm. I wrote to it. So I had like. And I was married to the music that was in my head. Right. So I had to start orchestrating things so I can get that language out, you know, right. um, which is different from sampling because you're trapped in whatever it's, <laughs> whatever that's, whatever it says right there, you, you're, you're limited to what right. it was. But um, I like when the music is first and I'm able to like kind of relax and feel where the music is telling me where to go. Mm. What story is, what, what, what's being whispered to me right now? Right. You know, that's, I feel like that's always best. To sort of just channel what's coming channel through. Channel what's coming through. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So you've had a, you've had a really interesting career. I, I was, Thanks, you know, <laughs> interesting's a double-edged sword, right? Oh, I like <laughs> it all, man. You know that Chinese curse, right? Yeah. You live in interesting times. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, but I mean, you when you guys hit, you hit so hard and so early, yeah. right? I mean, that was yeah. your first record that really blew up. It blew right? up pretty, pretty big, yeah. Yeah, and how old were you then? I think I was like 21. 21. You were a fucking baby. Baby, yeah, and um, remember we were talking about that Hollywood thing. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you blow up too fast, you lose yourself. Yeah. And I think we blew up, but it was a, it was a nice little incline. Oh, was it? I think so. And there were three of you? Uh, four of us. Four original. of you. Four, uh, in the band, four uh, original members, yeah. Right, right. Um, did you ever see a, a special, I think it was a BBC special on the Beatles? 
Mm. That was like a three or four part thing. I don't remember. I played it out. it out over a few days. No. I mean, there have been so many specials on the Beatles. I, I can't right. tell you which one it was, but um, but you just made me think about about a really touching moment in it where um, they, when they first came to America and they did the Ed Sullivan show and it was insane and you yeah. know, like holy <laughs> shit, you know, they couldn't play because they couldn't hear themselves and all that. Yeah. And they went to L.A. and uh, Elvis invited them up to his place mm. up in the Hollywood Hills or wherever it was. And so they went up there and they spent the afternoon with Elvis and he had a piano and they played a few tunes and, you know, mm -hmm. like sang with Elvis, you know, nice, which had yeah. been their dream, of course. And and uh, and then they went back and they, they were in the limo going back to their hotel. And there was this moment where they looked at each other and they said, thank God we're doing this together because that's what happens when you do it alone. Okay, exactly. You lose your fucking mind, you yeah. know? So uh, yeah. the way you said that, you know, there was the nice incline and that there was yeah. the four of you together, and that must have helped. That was, that was the good part. Yeah. It kept, uh, it kept us in check. And, so I, you, and I really appreciate yeah. the, way it came, the way it came about, for sure. Right. For those reasons. Right. So I was just reading, you know, the, your Wikipedia thing this morning, and the way it sounded on there was you guys... Uh, I mean, it was so quick. Somebody, I don't remember the name, some producer heard your stuff, and he was like, that's good. Let's, you know, sign you to a contract, and then we're going to put together a record, and the record goes yeah. crazy, and you're on, uh, was was that still MTV days? MTV, or? yo, MTV raps. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, because that was like a big thing to um, even be on that, that program because of hip, where hip-hop was. So yeah. hip-hop is one thing and rap is another, as far as I'm concerned, and a lot of my colleagues, too. You see all these bugs here? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if we, are they falling on us, or what's going on? I'm gonna pause this. All right, let me see here. All right, we're back on. We have escaped the bugs. Yes. There were, like, yes. weird little white, disgusting creatures <laughs> all over us. I'm, no, I'm kind of paranoid. I think you're good, man. Um, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, the uh, New York. I'm going to New York tomorrow. Yeah. For this thing with Neil Strauss. Yeah, he's uh, he's famous for the game, uh, which was this book about how to, essentially how to like, trick women into sleeping with you. Yep. Right. By playing these mind games. Yep. You know, there's this whole world. So he wasn't really the guy who he wasn't the guy who developed any of these techniques. He was just writing about his own experience because. He had been uh, a music critic for Rolling Stone and then uh, the New York Times, and he traveled with all these big bands and stuff, and he still wasn't getting laid. <laughs> and he was like, wow, okay. what the fuck would I need to do to get laid? I'm like backstage with Motley Crue and I can't get laid. Oh, man. Yeah, no, crazy. And yeah. he, he wrote a book, uh, How to Make Love Like a Porn Star, the okay. Je Jenna Jameson uh, okay. story, you know, he okay. wrote that. And uh, so then he heard about, I guess his editor at HarperCollins recommended that he look into this pickup artist scene. Okay. And he got into that and, um, and sort of uh, became very good at it. And, and so he wrote a book about it. So he turned his world, turned the coin over, huh? Yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he did get laid. Living one way now, living dry and now just a is it like too much for him now? Well, that's the thing. The new book is called The Truth. <laughs> and yeah. it's about his uh, journey since the game. Okay. Since he like he became very rich because he sold, you know, over a million copies of the yep. book. 
he um, became super famous. You know, everyone knew who he was, and, uh, and he was good at these techniques. But what he found was that he wasn't any happier than he had been before. Yeah, right. You know, so okay, now I'm getting laid, but you know yeah, why? Was, right. And also, tricking someone into fucking you—that's that not sucks. that's not going to work yeah. for anybody. You know. Yeah. So interestingly, the book, you know, he met this woman, Ingrid, and uh, married her. Now they have a baby. And so he's like turned so, yeah. completely around. So it's going to be very interesting to see the, the reception yeah, yeah. to that book because I think a lot of his fans <laughs> are going to feel like, yeah. yeah, what the fuck, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, well, okay, we're talking about uh, success and uh, especially early success in your case, yeah. you know, 21. So. You know, my story, uh, everyone who listens to this has heard it a million times, but I was, like, teaching English in Spain, traveling around the world, backpacking, never made more than 10 grand, 15 grand a year, living, like, hand to mouth. Yeah. And then I wrote this book, and suddenly, like, I've got a business to run, yeah. you know? And uh, even at my age, I was in my late 40s, blew my fucking mind, still blowing my mm. mind. I still can't keep up with uh, the emails and the meetings and the right. you know, pitches right. that are coming. So for you at 21, that must have just been incredible. It was just a different time. You know, we first off, we were young, and we, <clears throat> we had, and media was different. Mm. You didn't really have computers like you have. I mean, they had computers, uh, right. but you, like the social media, all of that stuff was right. a lot different. We had, you know, people would still get physical fan mail. You get letters. You get letters. Right. And, you know, you didn't have people, like, that could take pictures at your show and post them up uh, on the computer. Like, it wasn't that realm. And we didn't have YouTube. So if we had YouTube, oh, my God. Our, our shit would have just been through, like, more through the roof. Right. Because of, it was super big and super popular back then. But if we had what kids have now, like we would have probably had like a billion views right. type of thing, you know, or and um, it's just the way things work. And um, <clears throat> so this was what n late nineties, ninety two. Oh, early nineties. Yeah, 90. early nineties. Ninety two. Yeah, that's you're right. There, I mean, email wasn't even really happening yet. Yeah, it wasn't really. Happening. I had my first <clears throat> computer in ninety three, I think. Okay. And it was still like I was trying to find the porn. Like, where's okay. the porn? Right. They tell me there's porn yeah. on this internet yeah. thing. I exactly. can't find it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's crazy. so funny because I have friends, you know, and they used to be computer geeks, and they have to, they're like, yeah, we're about to play this game. Here, put in this floppy disk. And then we have to go outside and skate for a while because we were skaters. Uh -huh. And then when we came back in, then you have like this picture of this naked lady. Just like, <laughs> oh, while it was loading. Right, while it was skate. loading, you know what I mean? <laughs> And they're like, and you know, it's like, oh man, that's crazy, yeah, you know. So that was that one picture, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. yeah. I remember that. Like, and then when I did find the porn, it was like, the pictures would come in line by line. Okay, I remember those days too. Yeah, so I remember uh, my yeah. cousin and I. You know, like we had, I think it was on TV or something. You know, Cinemax and all that uh -huh. shit back in the day. And so at night, you know, it's you know after dark stuff. And so ours didn't work. So, we, you know, like you have the, was it the V-hole? Oh, right. <laughs> Is that what yeah. it's called? Yeah, you have to adjust the we horizontal had to try to adjust and the it, vertical. So we yeah. And it was broken. And so you would see like stuff <laughs> happening, but you have to make your eyes do tricks for it to, to stand still to see a, a boob or something, you know? Uh, and then. Uh, that's crazy. 
you know, my grandmother would come in there like, what are you guys doing? We pretend like we're asleep, you know? Yeah, and Granny can't, can't focus on <laughs> she that. She couldn't even see what was going on anyways. <laughs> and it was just like a different time, you know? Yeah. But um, that, the whole, everything has changed. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure porn definitely dominates the internet. Well, you know, there's a book called The Erotic Engine that, um, where the author argues that porn essentially has fueled the development of every new communication technology in the last 150 years. Okay. Like, starting with, I don't know, I guess the first one, probably not radio, couldn't be radio, but um, photography, okay. and then film, and then VHS, you know, you remember yeah, that? Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> like, all those things, The most of the money for the development came from porn and pay, online payments. That was all for porn, right, you know, the yeah. first how to process a credit card online, all that right. stuff. All porn. Man. Yeah, it's crazy, the, the hunger for that stuff. But, um, so, okay, we're talking early 90s. You guys, when you, so how, how fast did it happen? So you're, like, take me through it. You, you're hmm. some friends hanging out. You're, you're doing, you're writing yeah. stuff and dancing because you, you knew people in the, that world or you just saw it on TV? Or? So, you know, um, so starting off as a dancer, um, break dancer and things like that. Uh, first, I was a skater. <laughs> I used to listen to ska music. I used to listen to a lot of Fishbone, a lot of The Cure, uh, English Beat, mm. General Public, you know, that type of stuff. Right. And um, a friend of mine, um, he was like, yo, I need. I want you to check this stuff out. You know, there's Run DMC and, right. you know, uh, the Fat Boys and things like that. And he, he turned me on to that whole that whole hip hop thing, and I was sold. Right. I was like, man, this is awesome. And then you know, we watched you know the movie Break In and Beach Street and a lot of that type of stuff. And I was like, man, I gotta. It was just in me to dance, anyways. Mm. So I would be that kid with my cardboard out in the, in the um, driveway doing backspins and really? spins and stuff like that. And, and it was just like a rhythm. So if you're yeah. a skater, if you were a break dancer back in the day, it's like you watch the movie in the house, then you go outside and see if the tricks work, right. you know? Right. And so that was just the whole nature and the flow of that. And, and uh, I also was a graffiti artist too. Mm. So hip hop was perfect for me. I did, I was a tagger, you know, um, break dancer, like, it was just a new, it was refreshing. Um, we used to have um, school dances where uh, this um, <clears throat> Rodney O and Joe Cooley, um, well actually um, Joe Cooley would come and DJ our parties at our school. So I would sit and watch him like, you know, scratch records and stuff like that. So I was like kind of being, I didn't know, I didn't, I wasn't planning on being a rapper at all. Cause I was going to I was going to school and I was going to do my my air, my um, my Air Force thing or my Marines thing with the um, with the planes, and I wasn't thinking about being a rapper at all. But I definitely still dance. So being in the hip hop dance culture, break dancing and stuff like that, listening to Ice T and and um, all those cats, that's that became a part of me, minus the rap. So when I went to college. Um, my teacher was like, you know, you, you're a pretty good writer. And um, I was like, okay, cause, yeah, sure. You know, she would read my stuff and she's like, man, you're a brilliant writer. And I was like, okay, because I didn't see what she saw because I thought of myself as a C student, you know. Mm. And okay, if you think I write good, fine. 
and I didn't really connect the dots. <clears throat> and later down the line, I was just writing songs or writing poetry. And then my friend was like, yo, can you write me a song? Mm. I was like, all right, cool. So I started writing for him. And then he was like, yo, why don't you come and you know, meet my girlfriend's little brother? So this is, this, I'm bringing you into the far side. Uh -huh. <clears throat> so I went to meet Jay Swift, who's uh, my friend's uh, girl's little brother. And he was just like this amazing little producer. He's like, I think he was like 16 or something. <laughs> really? Yeah, making these hardcore beats. And then he took us to where he uh, studied music, which was under this guy, Reggie Andrews, who um, he executive produced um, Rick James and, wow. and uh, Patrice Russian. He was like really, in, he was like in the loop in uh, Motown. Mm. And so he saw the talent in us as dancers and as rappers too. Cause uh -huh. like at this point I was like, I was writing rhymes for my friends. So I was just writing rhymes in general. Right. And I was always kind of in the mix. Um, I was always in the mix of famous people, but I never treated them like famous people. They were just my friends. This is in South Central. This is in South Central. And so we did, a, we were, um, the way that we paid, the way that I paid for school was through being a battle dancer. Cause I would dance in music videos and dance in movies <clears throat> just to pay my, my tuition to get through school. <laughs> it was kind of, <laughs> you know, dancers paying tuition. All right. And so, but, <laughs> like a stripper. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that story before. Uh, but I mean, it's interesting. So you, you on one side, you're ROTC. To, yeah. to help pay, and the other side, battle dancing, like yeah. two completely different worlds. Completely different worlds. And once that, um, once I got my head out of going to the military, um, I was more focused on just, you know, finishing school and really like getting my degree or what have you. And that didn't really pan out because my dancing career picked up, like for dancing in movies and videos and stuff right. like that. And I missed too many days of school, and the, the teacher was like, you got a petition to get back in. I'm like, what? But I'm, I'm doing so well. And she's like, yeah, well, you got a petition to come back in my class. And I was like, well, shit, we can only miss six days. That's what it says, and I miss exactly six, and not more. You can't miss more than six days. Right. And so we were going through this arguing shit, and I was just like, you know what? Fuck this then. Yeah. And I gave up. And the next year, I tried to pick it up again and go to school, and I just didn't have it in me anymore, yeah. honestly. Because yeah. I was like, what the fuck did I have to go through that for? And so I just went full force into, you know, dancing with my friends and and uh, working on this musical craft because we we knew that there was some good stuff that, you know, can come out of it, seriously. Like we were dancing behind people. We were like, we need to do this for ourselves. So we just, we were just hanging out. Mm. And so we, um, we did a lot of showcases and there was a lot of rejections that happened with us trying to get a deal because you know, the, in hip hop, the bar was very high. It wasn't where it is today, you know, down mm. there on the, you're like kind of like, what do you call that thing where you? Oh, the limbo? The limbo, yeah. <laughs> the limbo, they bring the stick down too low, you know? So wait a minute, when you say the bar was high, are you saying it was harder to get into it? It was harder to get yeah. into. Okay. It was harder to get into the, just the regular, to be an actual singer, Yeah. you, you know, you had to compete with a, a Patti LaBelle or, oh. or you know, some of the like gospel some of the people. greats yeah yeah like to be a singer that's a you know i'm thinking like you got to have your chops together right so i look at like a patty labelle or a prince or michael jackson in one note and then i look at a um 
I look at someone like Jimi Hendrix, who wasn't like a singer, singer like those. So when I look at like when I look at Jimi Hendrix, I'm wanting Jimi Hendrix to. I don't want him to be like Patti LaBelle or they, that are singers. But if I'm going to be a singer in general, I got to be either a Jimi Hendrix or a Patti LaBelle. Right. And at least Jimi could play the guitar extremely well. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so in my in my career, there was no thoughts of us even making it mm. in. Right. Even as rappers, because you had the LL Cool J's, you had the KRS-One's, you had people that would just, or, or rock him. Yeah. So the bar was very high. Right. So this is, now I'm, I'm thinking the first rap I ever heard was, uh, um, uh, what was it, the uh, junkies in the alley with a baseball bat. The, oh, BC Boys. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't BC Boys. It was... Um, Oh shit! I can't. Oh, 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 I know, uh, don't push me. Me, cause, cause I'm, I'm close to the edge. Okay, I'm you're talking about uh, Grandmaster Flash. Yeah, exactly. Right, and the right. Furious Five. Right, and that was like mid '80s, maybe, or even early '80s. That was early '80s. Weird. Here's a weird connection. I associate Grandmaster Flash with Alaska. Interesting. <laughs> because because of the, what they were wearing sometimes? <laughs> no, because I was in Alaska. I hitchhiked to Alaska in the, like, 83. Okay. And wow. I had a Grandmaster Flash okay. cassette. Oh, nice. And a Walkman with okay. me. So, like, that, those were the years when I was yeah. listening to that music a lot. I was in Kenai, Alaska. Yeah, I don't wow. think Grandmaster Flash ever made it to Kenai, but that's my... <laughs> so, so yeah, that's like 83, 84, something like that. And that's, I mean, I don't know, is that the first, like, rap that really busted out? For me. Pro yeah, you too. Yeah. yeah, it was that, or it was like Sugar Hill Gang. Sugar Hill Gang, you know exactly, I mean? right. Yeah, well, and that, but that was 70s, because I remember memorizing all the words to that, uh, that, what was it called there, their big tune? I don't know. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Set a hip hop. Uh, rapper's the, Delight. The, yeah, Rapper's Delight, exactly. Isn't it funny how we got to sing it to get the title? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the mu music uh, or the magic of rap, though, right? That it's it's this ancient thing about, uh, you know, y you add a melody to words and you can remember them really easily. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's got to go back to the origins of language. You remember uh, Schoolhouse Rock? The TV like one, show. Two, three, four, five, yeah. Six, seven, like, well, that was like Sesame Street, Sesame Street, Schoolhouse Rock. They all sang their things for us to learn it and get it. We got a, we got a solo happening here in the park. He's <laughs> got a good voice. He's actually. got a good voice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how we learned, like you know, even the ABCs, you know. Yeah. And I think it's a good way to teach. Yeah. Yeah, if you definitely. Want to remember, if well, you want somebody to remember, the brain pulls it in. Yeah, yeah. we're just musical beings. In I general. think we are. I mean, music is is really, and I don't mean to sound cheesy here, but it is one of the most mysterious and magical things I'm aware of. Yeah. You know, the yeah. fact that, and and it does seem to be a, a human thing. I mean, I've seen these videos online of certain kinds of birds, like sort of yeah. dancing to to a mm. beat, or you know. Uh, some primates seem to respond to music in some ways, but mm. uh, you don't get drunk dogs singing like that guy. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. He's he's got he's a just doing he's got day. a good voice. Yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you're hearing a, a dude. Just sort random. Of, yeah, just random dude. We'll call, we'll call him Rando. <laughs> Marlon Rando. Marlon Rando. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, yeah. The, I have very few regrets in life, but uh, one of them, probably maybe the only one, is uh, that I never learned an instrument or, or mm. immersed myself in a participatory way in music, you know? Because okay. yeah. I hear it so deeply. I love, I love so much, you know, when it touches me, it really fucking touches me like nothing else. But, um, yeah, sometimes it's frustrating that I never, you know, I can't be in like when when you're in a groove with other people whether you're on stage or you're just hanging out in your garage that must just be yeah. you know like we were talking about orgies earlier i imagine it's almost an orgiastic thing where you're all sharing this pleasure somehow this common yeah. pleasure we're sharing we're sharing a moment of um telepathic communication right you know what I mean? And, yeah, because um, you know when someone's going to yeah, shift to another. We have to. Yeah. And it, so, you know, we're util, we're utilizing our intuitive spaces. Like we could, like the people in in this park, we can all be connected in the same cosmic uh, moment, and just really understand each other's rhythm, just like you would do with a band. Right. And we have to be intuitive. Like I got to, I have to feel where my bandmate's about to play next right. and go there with him. And it's, a, it's like the biggest silent joke. There, ha, there, don't have, there, ha, there doesn't have to be a word that's said, but the feeling says it all. Right. You know, tells the story. You laugh at the, you laugh at the joke that, some, that the guitar player played. Right. You know, or I know when someone has messed up yeah. and what they're doing band-wise, you know, I, I, you get what I'm getting at. Yeah, definitely. It makes me think of James Brown. Yeah, you know, and they how were he, on point. They were all. He was so, uh, so sharp and so insistent. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm sure so you there's, know. So like, there's that. No drugs in his band. There's James Brown, and how tight that was when you heard it. Do you know about New Birth? No. You gotta check out New Birth. You know about Sly Stone? Sure. When you listen to that, see, they spent so much time together that they created a sound. They created a, a cosmic bubble, so, so to speak. Yeah. And when you're in it, listening to it, you feel all the magic that's there. Music does not have that same consciousness bubble anymore, or, it, or it's lost it. It, it feels mechanical. Mm. We don't, we haven't, it's not nourishing. It's like you go to the, the store, um, you go to Ralph's or wherever, and you go down the cereal aisle, and you know that there's not one drop of nutrients in the shit. Right. So that's like what music is today. That's what it feels like to me. I'm glad to hear as you say that. To, as opposed yeah. to like the Earth, Wind, and Fires, oh, or man, so Earth, that's good. Fire. So exactly. Yeah. So how and how you Commodores. felt about it? Commodores before they got cheesy. Before okay. Lionel Richie went off and. But even even in their even their cheesiest of cheese, you can feel something. Yeah. And it's different. Yeah. You know, you're gonna grow from it. Like the song that you said that you like um, when you were in Alaska. You know, this it brought back all of Alaska to you as right. you said it, right. or as you sang the lyrics to it. Yeah. You know, these are the things that are magical about music and and our cosmic connection, our human connection, the human element. This is what makes magic. Like yeah. certain songs. Like love songs, like you really dove into that love song, like you were diving in like deep water or some kind of s just sexy syrup, yeah, you know? Yeah. You just felt all kinds of things about it. So what? You know, I'm glad to hear you say that because sometimes I'll talk about 
um, some modern types of music that just I don't fucking get it. And you know, maybe it's because I'm I'm old. Maybe it's a cultural thing. I don't know what it is, but. Um, you know, like uh, I was in Goa, India, okay. uh, ten years ago or something, and you know they play this rave music all night. Okay. Just yeah. Boom, boom, <laughs> boom. And like my feeling is, if I need to take ecstasy to enjoy this music, that's shitty music. Yeah. You know, I mean, I said the same thing about yeah. the Grateful Dead, and a lot of my friends love the Grateful Dead, and you know yeah. whatever. And it's like I listen to Grateful Dead; it just sounds like sloppy shit to me. I mean, the time is—it's not tight. It's like sloshing all over the yeah. place. And hey, I love mushrooms, but if I have to take mushrooms to to enjoy the music, yeah. you know, why why bother? And like industrial music, you know, it like sounds like a factory. Why the fuck, fuck would I want to sound? Yeah. I'm trying to get away from the sounds of a factory yeah. and engines and. I want organic. I want yeah. something that's got groove, that's got heartbeat, that's got sex, pulse, you know. Yeah. Pulse, exactly, right. Yeah. Yeah. You ever listen to um, Bill Laswell? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll check it out, though. He's a producer. He was a bass player um, with a band called Material, mm. uh, with Brian Eno, um, sort of experimental okay. stuff. And um, then he got into the studio and, and uh, became more of a producer and sort of gave up the... the most of the musical stuff. But now he does this amazing, really nice stuff where he samples uh, nat- either natural sounds or he did this, uh, we were talking about Cuba earlier, he yeah. did a record called Imaginary Cuba. Oh, wow. Um, where he was in Cuba and just um, recorded like outside churches. Oh, and nice. People singing in the street and then he yeah, takes yeah, it back yeah. to the studio and puts in like a fucking Congo bass line and wow. some really nice drums Yay. and it's beautiful. I, I love See, that stuff, you know? But it's alive. It's right. it's taken from from living people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about uh, industrial prepackaged bullshit. Well, that's exactly what it is. It's just prepackaged stuff to you know. It's first to manip- manipulate people into trick people into buying this big old popular product. Yeah, you know. And they used to. There used to be a time where, you know, you hear a voice uh, in music. And and it moved you. Now you hear a voice in music, and you're like, "Well, what does she look like?" Right. You know, is uh, well, is she sexy? Right. <laughs> and I just want to get back to letting music be music again. Right. Like Aretha know? Franklin. Yeah. If like people the, were worried about is she sexy, Aretha Franklin never yeah. would have. You know, it's just diff- It's just different. And I would yeah. like. I don't want to see. I want to hear. I want to hear the music. I want to feel things that move my soul. Seriously, you know. I want to hear the another Led Zeppelin again. Hmm. You know. I want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> did you hear the record that uh, Robert Plant did with uh, Alison Krauss? I think. Mm-hmm. I did. It's just the two of them doing like uh, a, a lot of bluegrass and sort of country western stuff. Okay. Beautiful. It's called Pounding Sand. Okay. Pretty beautiful to hear his voice, like yeah, in a yeah. completely different context. You know, wow, yeah, absolutely. not screaming at all. It's more like right. crooning. You know, yeah, it's nice stuff. Yeah. Yeah, man. Music, incredible. So, uh, where were we? We were like back in the early days, and and, oh, yeah. and like, okay. So, so you guys are now. Another thing I wanted to ask you, like, you're talking about your youth. You know, South Central. People have all sorts of assumptions about what it's like to come up in that place and that time. 
But it doesn't sound to me like you were a uh, fuck up. You were a pretty serious kid. It sounds. I was like. a pretty serious kid. I mean, I, I mean, I had, I, we had fun. I was a pretty serious kid because, you know, every parent wants their son or daughter to do well in school and stuff like that. And you know, like being growing up in in the hood, so to speak, it you know, like you had a lot of things to watch out for. Right. Every day that you step out of your house is a, you know. You just have to know the street code. It's just like blood, crip stuff going blood, on, man. Yeah, blood, blood and crip stuff. Yeah. I lived in a, I, I grew up in a blood neighborhood. I uh, went to a blood school. Um, I had crip friends. <laughs> it was very difficult. So I had to be neutral, you know. Is uh, that possible? You have to be. Really? And they'll, they'll I mean, you're in a blood well, neighborhood. Well, and... the thing is, the, so back in the day, so it was, you could like they, they, they like the movie Colors. Like if you had if you like my blood school or the school that I went to that was blood school, wearing blue was it's not something that you wanted to do because that was just they're in there there was the rivals, and I would catch this bus called the 107 and it went through so many different hoods. It was like red blue red blue red blue. <laughs> really? Red, yeah, and there was this one little area where it was a, a blood area. And they would stop the bus, they'd get on the bus, and they'd check and see if you got blue on. And if you did, they'd pull you off the bus, beat the shit out of you, and take your money and just, you know. And, and that's what that situation was. I grew up during a time where the drive-by shootings first started. Right. You know, um, a lot of me and my friends, we used to play football in the streets. We called tackle on the sidelines. So we're in the streets, you know, playing football and on the, you know, where there was grass patches, we could tackle them over there. You so know? you like grab a guy and drag him yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so one day we were like playing, you know, football and we see this car like driving really fast down the street and it didn't look normal. And so we're like, why is this guy speeding down the street? And so we were just calculating everything up until it got to us and then we saw something extend out of the car. So we dove, you know, to the sides and uh, the car just kept um, driving on by. And we were like, damn. So he didn't shoot? No, he didn't shoot. But, you know, all the kids were growing up. We were young, you know, like um, 11 to eleven to 17. Yeah. You know, and um, it was the early stages of, you know, kids either, like I was a skater, and it's like either I'm gonna be a gangbanger with my, with my homeboys or I'm gonna be a skater or just do my own thing. So yeah. I was pretty much one of those guys that did my own thing because I knew people on both sides of right. the fence. And it's like I couldn't, it was, it was being young, it was like scary to go to school and um, if they knew someone that was connected to you that was a, a crip or, or vice versa, then you got problems. So I was always one of those kids that didn't like problems. And if I felt like something was a little weird, I'm out of there. You know, I could be considered a kid that ran all the time, mm -hmm. but I was just, I didn't like that, I didn't like that bullshit. Cause yeah. I, was, I was a kid that also went to a lot of funerals when I was young. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time going to, um, somebody had passed away um, that we knew. So I went to go pay my respects with my friends. So it was me and my friend, we went to go uh, pay our respects and we're in this mortuary. And I asked the guy, I was like, where is, you know, so-and-so? And they were like, okay, they're over there. But wh while we were walking to go see the person that we were there to pay our respects to, I see a casket and there's a, a, a mother and a son. 
And I was like, wow, well, what, what the fuck happened? And so the guy told me the story. He was like, they were looking for his big brother. Came to the house, knocked on the door. Mom answered the door, shot her, shot the kid. And I'm like, at that moment, I was like, what the fuck did the brother do to make this happen? And I'm like thinking about my own life and my own family. I'm like, I never want this to happen to my yeah. family. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just stayed under the radar. And mm. I made it a point to stay under the radar, you know? Do you have siblings? Oh, yeah, I got siblings. I got, I got um, two brothers and three sisters. And what, what are they like? Well, my, my, you know, they were... My brothers are kind of, they're gangsters. <laughs> well, that's why I asked. Yeah, like, my brothers are gangsters. You saw it straight. You yeah, know? no, I saw it straight. Like yeah. a lot of, large, most of my, I'm the only one that's not a gangster in my family. Really? <laughs> if that, yeah, pretty much. Um, but my family's good. They're good people. Yeah. They're great people. I learned a lot. And I, and I had to learn what they knew naturally. They knew that, they knew about street life. Mm. I don't. I didn't really know about street life and street life rhythm. You the youngest? I'm not the youngest, no. But um, I just wasn't one deeply involved in because I was always like my mom and dad weren't together, um, and I lived with my grandmother pretty much. Right. So I wasn't with my cousins like I wanted to be, uh, but my cousins was deep in it. Right. So. And I and, wanted, and trust me, I wanted to be with my folks. Yeah. Sure. And, and there was lots that I needed to learn. I didn't really have my father to really raise me. And my dad was a gangster too. So I didn't have certain, I didn't get that book. <laughs> yeah. You know, but when I go talk to my dad nowadays, he, 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 um, he tells me about life. He's, he fills in the blanks of what I missed. Mm. And I just, on my, my path was different than everybody else's path, obviously, you know? And um, there's just, and I, when I talk to my cousins, they're so proud and happy that I went the route that I did and didn't have to go through certain things that they did, you right. know? Because, like, you know, you get into this mentality as a youngster, it's like, you know, um, folks going to jail, you know, that makes them harder, or I don't know, you know what I mean? Or it's just something about having that stripe. Yeah. You know, of you, they went to, oh, you went to jail, oh, you, you, you're not no punk no more, or right. whatever. Right. There's a lot of different things. And um, trust me, my family, they're really cool. I love everything about them. I, I look up to them because I look at I look at things like this, um, our system the way it is. It's not built for folks to succeed. It's, Especially folks in South Central. Exactly. Yeah. So like, I look at the I look at gangsters as hustlers, right. and they making a way for them to have a life, to feed their families, and all these other things that are positive you know, with little little negative things. But if I look at what a gangster really is, I look at the police as the biggest gangsters or gang gangs, legal gangs that there could ever be. And I don't approve of it. You know what I mean? And I look at I look at mobsters and, and actual gangbangers as people that's trying to feed their feed their folks in their community. And I respect that. Yeah. Yeah, it's they're they're playing the game as best they can. The problem is that they don't right. own the casino. Yeah, right? it's yeah. like you know you're trying to make you're trying to make it. Like, what do you have? You got no job opportunities. Your educational opportunities are slim to none. Most of the men are in prison because you know yeah. we're talking 80s, 90s Reagan minimum mandatory oh, yeah. sentencing just oh, yeah. destroyed Those... inner city families. 
So the, a lot right, of the fathers exactly. are in prison, which is exactly. where the you know power structure wants them to be. And so what other options you have? Right. You know, it's like you're gonna do what you can. That's yeah. that's you got to make too. And then with right. the, and you know not to not you know the taxes and stuff too. It's like that just takes up like we're already trying to make what we can happen. Yeah. And here we got somebody. It's like big. It's like pimping. <laughs> They come and take a big old cut out of you. Right. You know, when you work a, like to work a day job is like stupid because like you, you know, yeah. you make $7 an hour and your $7 equals this per day times, you know, times five. And then they're taking and taxes And then they take a tax, they're taking yeah. like, you know, 25, 30% tax out of your shit. Like yeah. what, what sense does that make? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's so then it's like, I can, I know where I can make my money. You know, like people rely on the streets and rely on the hustle and rely on, you know that system, yeah. and um, you know Afro Man. I have. I, I don't know Afro Man, <laughs> but I've seen Afro Man. Seen yeah. Fuck McDonald's and Taco Bell is oh, one of man. his songs. It's about that. You I know, need to like, yeah. Are you kidding me? Seven minimum wage job. Yeah. Yeah. This modern modern day slavery is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Talk. Uh, Afro Man's great. I love the song Mississippi. I, I need to check it check, out. Check that song. Oh, out. That's yeah. amazing. Because he's. It's when he's a kid, he's from Mississippi, but um, he goes and he lives in Palmdale for a while when he's in high school. Okay. And he, so, and then uh, he goes back to Mississippi after he becomes a rapper in Palmdale. Wow. And he's like the biggest uh, rapper right. in Mississippi or something. And he was in, Cal he's from Cali. Yeah. I know exactly how that probably went too. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people look at Los Angeles and, and the Bloods and the Crip thing and if somebody's from Los Angeles going to like some of the southern places, they're like, oh, that's the, that you're a star. You're the star, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's that like? Yeah, you're from the, the yeah. heart of from, yeah. hip hop. And I, what's crazy is like, okay, so I'm from South Central and uh, I grew up in that area and it was, it was bad. It had its moments. But then you go to places like Brazil. Mm. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Or you go to places like Kingston, Jamaica. Yeah. You know, like, wow, we think we're we, we think things were bad here, and we think we're tough here, and it's tough for a lot of places. Yeah, Brazil's know? insane. Man. Yeah, it can be. And Brazil's so and it's beautiful it's, too. That's what I was gonna say. I love Brazil. It's like it's like all this death and destruction it's and so dancing and music and color and beautiful women yeah. and happy people and like wow. Ever, what's so that movie? City of God. City of God. You know, exactly. I was about to say that because it's, it, it reflects movie. what we're talking about. Yeah. You know it's how all like the, the system is corrupt and you know like a lot of the drug dealers are just trying to get their people like food and medicine. So what do you, you know? think? Do you think there's a connection between suffering and artistic Production, you know, like it's, you mentioned it's Hendrix. Is that, is that that double-edged sword we're talking about? Uh, that's what I'm thinking, you know, because it's like, when was the best? What's the music we're still listening to today? It's the it's, fucking '60s. It was when it was friction. Vietnam, right? Yeah. It's civil rights. It's riots yeah. in the streets. It's mm. Sly Stone, everyday people, everyday all people. like those those, you know, anthems of yeah. 20th century humanity. Isn't it so unfortunate that that has to yeah. happen for people, to, for some such beauty to come out? It's like the lotus <laughs> coming through the mud. Yeah. So you think there is? Mm. I mean, because I, I, I hate mean, that it has to be that way. 
but a lot of beautiful things have come from yeah. it. Yeah, and you think of like, you know, what's the, the, the biggest music in the last 20 years, right? right. Yeah. It's coming from the place you're talking about. It's coming yeah. from people struggling to, to make it, you know? Struggling to make it. Snoop yeah. Dogg and, uh, you know, that that's whole a, That's a scene. funny thing too about a person's uh, career um, when they first start, because they started from the struggle, then they go and they get rich and stuff like that. Yeah. And some. If you don't have problems, you really kind of ain't got shit to write about. Yeah. You know, until you have some problems. Yeah. Yeah, you know? I was, someone, I don't remember who it was, I was reading an interview with someone recently who was poor. Who the hell was it? Yeah, I don't remember, but they were poor growing up and, and now they have kids and they're rich, right? They're, I don't know if they were musicians or actors or whatever it was. And they were talking about how hard it was to deal with their kids because their kids are in a completely different world and they have no idea like where they came from and now it's like I'm this guy who grew up poor struggling to make it dealing with these spoiled little fucking kids who think that you know money's nothing and you know like everybody's got a swimming pool it's so funny too how like the people that had money didn't fucking care about it and people that didn't have money always wanted to get it yeah and we're like yeah let's trade places yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, in the sense of, yeah. we're trying to fucking eat. And you guys are, I watched a person, like, just cut cut money up and deface it and all kind of shit, like it's nothing, and laugh. And then I'm like, you know, I would never do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we're trying to, like, I could have used, like, we got folks that could have used that. Right, but once you, know? you have it, then aren't you sort of, I mean, you know, we're talking about uh, hip-hop, right? A lot yeah. of hip-hop's about what bitches and money bitches and money cars you everything know. is about kind of pretty much bitches and bitches and money right. or 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 um there's always the element of sex in it you know what i mean it's like the power play right okay, well, what but, I'm, but anyways well, what another. i'm getting at is like aren't these guys like too short right yeah too short's all about never getting laid too short is the black uh oakland-based neil strauss mm. Right, he's like the guy who couldn't get laid in high school, and he even sings about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a player. He sings yeah. about how yeah. he couldn't get laid, and yeah. you know, and now he's like Mr. Super Pimp, and he's you know, bitches ain't shit. And now I made my point. Yeah. So he's like, like the thing I couldn't get when I was young. Now I've got so much of it. Look how cool I am. Right. I got the car. I got the money. I got the women. Right. So, I mean. Often when I'm listening to, to hip-hop and, and other art forms as well, not just uh, music, but I feel like what people are, are devaluing is the thing that they were so desperate to get. To get. Yeah. You know, and it's all like a, a front to sort of, it, it's, it's trying to fill a psychological hole somehow, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I don't know if that makes sense, but... You know, when I when I hear a lot of this stuff with like you know d- degrading women and and uh, the crystal and all that, it sounds sad to me. So the flip of that coin, like let's say the degrading women, it came from not getting the women. Right. Right. And so oh, it's like that all oh, fuck you bitch attitude. Oh, you don't want to talk to me? Right. Oh, fuck you then. But then the tables turn when you know you do have you do have money and you do have it going on. So you're treating everyone else like you treated that, that previous hurt that you had. Right. You know what I mean? Or, or like people want to be tough because they don't want get, to get fucked up. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're like always gravitating towards something. It's, it, it's always love-based at the end, I feel. Mm. Or, or some kind of hurt. You know what I mean? So that's all that, a lot of that bitches thing is. Yeah. You know? I, look, I was raised by my grandmother and my mom, and I have a lot of strong aunts and things like that. So I don't really, <laughs> I mean, I got a respect, a super respect for, for women. Yeah. You know, for, for strong women. Because yeah. all the women in my family are strong. Right. Um, weak women, I don't gravitate to them so well. I like stronger women. Um, and if I see a woman being weak, I try to show her her strength. So that'll, that'll shine out more. It's like, you know, man, it's just a, it's a lot of issues and a lot of different things that we can, you know, talk about off, off record, man. But <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of things because every yeah. woman that I see, I'm looking to, I'm looking to her to see her strength shine right. out. Right. You know what I mean? And sometimes a lot may come to or talk about issues because this is what we're gonna, what we we're talking about a little while ago, of um, just putting out that weak side first. Like you know, um, men are always trying to do this or that, and I'm like, fuck that. I see the strong woman in you, and I grew up around strong women, so I don't understand how you're not, just be strong. Well, you know I mean? victimhood is a form of strength, I think, in American mm-hmm. society. I'm just like, just be strong. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. You know, or I see, I, like, I just highlight, uh, I just highlight the points of their strength. Right. And nurture that, because I love them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I truly, like, there, there's nothing more beautiful than a woman that knows who she is, knows her sexuality, doesn't, you know, doesn't care about people's opinion about what, you know, her sexuality or who she is as a person, and she shines with every step. Yeah. That's the nectar. Yeah. That's attractive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, dude, I know exactly. That's the nectar that's fucking attractive. I want to, I want that. Well, come visit you know me I mean? in Spain. <laughs> you know, no, seriously, because uh, my wife and I talk about this all the time, and and you know, please, no offense to any American women who are listening to this, but like you and I were talking about this when we were having lunch, right? Like a lot, American culture is so fear-based; it's so full of fear yeah. that I think, and for good reason, for a lot of reason. women here are afraid to celebrate their sexuality. They're afraid to walk down the street openly feeling hot because they're going to get harassed by assholes, they're going to get shitheads yelling shit from cars. Whereas in Spain, you see women walking around, they are so happy to be women, man. Mm. They are so in their bodies, they're in their rhythm, they're just bouncing down the street, smiling. Dudes smile at them, they smile back. It's just a fucking festival of good feeling. Yeah. I miss that. It's, yeah. it's not here. I had, uh, I was with this woman for years, seven years, uh, a Spanish woman, and we moved to San Francisco together when I was going to grad school. She was young. She was like in her early 20s. Gorgeous woman. Just drop dead beautiful woman. And one day I came home and she was crying, crying. She was really upset. And I said, what's wrong? Nothing, nothing, nothing. You know, the typical nothing okay. for an hour. I thought she missed her family or, you know, whatever, typical stuff, but no. Finally, I got it out of her. What she was upset about was that she felt ugly. Why did she feel ugly? Because no one looked at her. (laughs) She walked down the street and men weren't looking at her. 
And she's like, what is wrong with me? Nobody looks at me in this fucking country. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's such a catch-22, man, because, yeah. you know, take me, for instance. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I got to say this, man. It's like for, for me to interact with a woman and to, for me to know that she wants me, she would basically have to, like, kind of, like, uh, start unbuckling my pants before I would, like, you know, because I don't want to, I don't want it to be where it seems like I'm yeah. doing too much. Right. And, like, if that's, like, it's not consenting, it's, like, it's not something she wants, like, fuck right. that. I don't want to get in, I don't, nope. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. If you want this or, you know, then... You got to really make it clear. Yeah. Make it fucking clear. I don't get, <clears throat> like, sometimes you got to yeah. be straight with me, dude, because, like, I, I can't read, I can't read the signs. The signs have, have been... Uh, this is a closed door until it's open. And sometimes, like, energetically, I feel that a woman wants you. Like, that's our natural shit. Oh, I can feel where she's going. But, you know, she'll maybe be deciding within herself. Right, right. And, and that's and, where you and, get and, and in all like, sorts of trouble. And that's where you get in fucking trouble. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, I don't have time for that shit. So uh, let me know you want me by here. Come, you, you, you take him. Oh, you take him a pants off. Oh, girl, <laughs> I still don't know yet, though. Maybe she's the doctor. Oh, Maybe she, she just wants to do an examination. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's taking my shirt off, but I still don't know. Yeah, you got to sign here and here and initial there. You oh, know. trust me, man. It's, it's America. Like, I trust. Uh, I mean, I, I respect. I don't want to dance. I, I, tell, I tell folks this. I don't want something that does not want me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Because yeah. like, like if a woman is, if she's ready and ripe, she's ready to dance, she's ready to groove in that capacity and play, I'm ready to play too. And that's what I want to do. Because you guys both get so creative in that, in that, in that fun play. So, but is this kind you know of, is this kind of problem as big a deal in LA and, and the world you came up in because hmm. my my understanding is this is mainly a white problem that in like okay. Latino society and black society hmm. it's it's still much more chilled out am I wrong about that I, you know I don't know uh, I don't know all I know is all I know is I'm on the road all the time right and and thing the lines are definitely blurred also when you're famous right that's a whole other problem right it's a whole nother thing and you don't know and you want to be right yeah. i want to be right right i don't yeah. want to be wrong because it's yeah. just a whole bunch of other shit that comes into play and um yeah I'd also rather, when I'd you're famous it's like you never know and not that i'm famous but you know whatever little you know little bit of fame i have one of the things i've noticed is that it's hard to know whether she's into you or into this idea of you. Yeah, you and, and that particular idea of you could last a long time before she wakes up and smells her own personal coffee right. about you as right. this famous person. Because right. I look at it like, and it could be just a regular guy seeing uh, the hot woman. And they're like, the women are beautiful. And instead of, like, we run to interact with that woman because of her exterior. Right. Not meeting right. her boss, right. which is her interior. Yeah. You know? And often and that, they're and that's, very that's different. Every day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I used to live with fashion models. I lived in this mansion in Barcelona where everybody there was a model except okay. me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, for three years. Um, and uh, I learned a lot. I, I learned so much from this one guy uh he was a just like one of the best looking guys i've ever seen he, he was 
pretty famous model. He did a lot of, uh, you know, he did like swimsuit catalogs mm -hmm. and underwear. It's because his body was amazing, yep. beautiful face, just great, mm -hmm. and a really sweet guy. Anyway, he looked like Tarzan. Right, he, oh, he was this macho, right. yeah, you know, yeah. like kind of looking yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. But his interior was a sweet little boy from Iowa. Wow, he grew up on a farm in Iowa. Okay. He was in the army in Germany, and okay. he got discovered in some club. And next thing you know, he's living in Barcelona, you know, making all this money. He's going to Milan okay. and Miami and all. Right. This. And he's just this sweet, sweet dude who looks like a fucking lady killer. Yeah. But he was scared of women because he kept hooking up with these, like, I mean, you think about, like, and, and you know, I apply this to, to the experience of hot women. Who walks up to a woman like that? Who walks up to a dude who looks like Tarzan? Mm -hmm. Not the sweet little girl next yeah, door who yeah, yeah, would yeah. actually be a good match for him. The yeah. woman who goes up to him is the Swedish lingerie model, mm -hmm. right, who just wants to fuck his socks off. Mm -hmm. So she hooks up with him. And he's like sending her poetry, and she and laughs like, like "What right. the fuck are you doing, man? I just wanted your dick." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so then and she stops answering his calls. <laughs> then right. he's feeling rejected. Like, "What's wrong with me? What did I do? Another one?" And the poor guy was completely, you know, fucked Didn't up. Get it. Yeah. And you, you, so I apply that to women. I think, okay, a lot of women look really sexual, yeah. but that's just the way their bodies are. You know, they have a pretty face and, a, you know, they got the... selling. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. energetically selling. Energetically. But inside, it's like, but I like puppies. And yeah. I, you know. <laughs> well, it, or, you know, what's the, where's the conflict between, you know, being a super hot woman and liking puppies? You know what I mean? That's all in, in our heads, in the men. But, uh, yeah, that poor guy, man, he, he had more trouble with women than anyone I've ever known. And, that's interesting. Yeah. But that's a good story. <laughs> That's a good movie, actually. Yeah, that would be a good movie. No, it would be a great movie. Yeah. Because, you know, everybody, everybody's looking for that, that something. So what, what's it like becoming famous at 21? Oh, man. Um, How did you deal with that? <laughs> How'd your family deal with that? Every, everything was all right. Everything was all right. Because um, we didn't get too rich. <laughs> Don't you hate that? Um, you get it, the fame and but not we the got, money. We were super famous. Yeah, we were super, definitely super famous. And um, um, I think there was a large percentage of it we were high all the time, you know. Right. And um, and we were young, so it was just we were just flowing through this this lifestyle. Were you hanging with uh, famous people? Oh, yeah, no, like, even to this day. I mean, it's just, that's, because they're like, I look at our friends like the, you know, like the Cypress Hills or um, even Corn, for instance. Mm. They're friends of ours. Right. So when you're up at the level that I'm at in the industry, it's kind of like you're going to your cousin's house. Right. Because <laughs> we're all like brothers. Right. We're all like family, seriously. And you've all had that experience. We, always, we have, we can relate. So you don't need to we explain. Can all, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, we when we walk into each other's dressing room, we're just like, Shh, man, let me get a beer. Just you yeah. know, sit back on the couch, yeah. and either say nothing at all, or just chill to talk about music or right. whatever. Uh, you know, or if we're talking about some hot girl, it's to the extent of, yeah, she's hot. I want to do that, and that's probably about it. Right. You know, or I hung out with these chicks or whatever, 
and it's fun, you know, we explore whatever the fuck. It's not really, it's not really what people think. So you mentioned Rick James earlier. Oh. <laughs> no, he, went, he took it a different way, right? See, different stars have different <laughs> levels of their shit. I know the level of where I'm at, yeah. but I don't know the level of, like, another time. You don't have any slaves in the basement? Uh-uh. <laughs> I had some friends that had slaves in the basement, and they weren't stars yet. Oh. Every time we used to go, like, my be- one of my best friends, and I, won't, I can't say his name. <laughs> don't say his name. <laughs> if it but, involves slaves in no, the basement. No, it's not slaves. Yeah. However, it seemed like it, because he would just have these beautiful women, and they would, when we were, when we were making music or whatever, I'd come over and there'd be always some girl in the room. She'd never leave the fucking room. Hmm. Like, if she did come out the room, she'd go out and make something to eat and be right back in the room. And we're, we're, we're holding like, you know, we hold 16-hour days. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing to these girls? She's just on call <laughs> in case he wants to take a Yo. break or something. <laughs> he always had just amazing looking women uh-huh. and they were just they were just all about him. Yeah. And I feel like they were his little, little sex slaves or some shit like that. Well, you know, funny. those women in like late 90s, mid 90s uh, music videos, mm. and those are some of the hottest women ever. And maybe it's because of the dancing or the what, but my God. Man. The world is full of beautiful women, oh, and, yeah. and uh, I always have. Uh, my thing is, you got to stop somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. they don't stop being born. Yeah. Hot women don't stop being born. Yeah. They don't stop graduating from from uh, from college. Uh, you know, it's forever. And this is like we're in Portland, and every time, like sometimes I'm, I'm flying over cities, I'm like. I know that there's a the ghetto jewel, yeah. you know the hot chick of the ghetto, the hot too. chick of the hood is <laughs> probably right in there. It's a whole bunch of them. Right, it's there. a bunch of them because you can break it yeah. up into like little grids yeah. of the city, and like there's always at least ten real fine girls in that area. Yeah, in that square footage. <laughs> you need some sort of like a, a detector, like you wish. some sort of a you know GPS detector. I think they call that Tinder. <laughs> yeah, but see, you can't use Tinder. I don't use Tinder. No, I can't. I cannot. You can't. If you have any public profile at all, you can't be on anything it's hard. like that. It's hard to be us. Yeah, on that. I yeah. looked at Tinder once, uh, maybe a year ago, because a friend of mine's using it, and he was like, oh, "That's amazing, man." So I was checking it out, and uh, you know, I signed up, and I was looking at you know women yeah. in Portland, right? Yeah. And there are like a bunch of women where right in their profile it says they read Sex at Dawn. Oh, wow. Right, which is like a code, yeah. which means, like, I'm into non-monogamy. Okay, gotcha. Right, yeah. so it's like, yeah. I get it. it it's, so it's become this code, apparently. So I'm going through, and it's like, oh, she's read Sex at Dodge. Yeah. Oh, she's, and I'm like, oh, I should swipe. I can't swipe. I mean, come on. There's no way I can do that. You could swipe. Nah, be, like, creepy. I, I could just see it now, you know, Gawker would have mm. some article about, you know, creepy here, author of Sex at Dodge. Here is an interesting topic here. Creepy versus, like, why is it that we are creepy? Yeah. Why? How come girls aren't creepy? Right. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. and I and I talked to this girl one time, and she's like, Oh yeah, this guy, blah blah blah, is like creepy. I was like, He's not creepy. He's just a motherfucker that you didn't like. Yeah, he's just a horny dude. Like, he's, yeah, he's a, a, or over he's, fifty or whatever. You know, yeah. that's what's even worse. If right. I was talking to Rogan about this. Yeah, if you're if you're a sexually alive man over yeah. fifty, you are de facto a creep in this culture. It's unbelievable. I think that's a young girl thing too, though, because the women over a certain you know over forty, they're kind of 
they're going for it. Right. <laughs> I'm sure they're going for it right now. <laughs> Somewhere within Some, a square mile of here. Knowing what I know now, <laughs> somebody's going for it. Yeah. And yeah. they're going hard. Well, as well they should on a day yeah, like they should. today, man. No, they should in general. Like, I, 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 I appreciate when people find what they are into within themselves and, it, and they actually explore it. Right. Because just think of how many years they were, that shit was in a bottle. Oh, especially with women. Yeah. 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 I mean, a lot of women, they're, they're not even really ready to start asking serious questions till they're like late 30s, early yeah. 40s, you know? Yeah. And that's, to me, that's when they get really interesting. Yeah, they get interesting. Ooh. <laughs> All right, we can tell stories when the mic's I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, so just to wrap this up, because we, we spent uh, over 90 minutes now, All I right, think, cool. chatting, and I feel like we're just, like, yeah. brushing the surface here. Where, where are you now? What are you doing? You're on tour a lot. So, you're, you're doing solo work now. I'm doing a couple things. So uh, my band is called Bizarre Ride now. Bizarre Ride. Yeah. And where did the and name it's a, come from? Well, it, it's a spinoff from Are you from hitchhiking? My... No. Well, <laughs> so... My, my original band is called The Far Side, and our first right. album was called Bizarre Ride. Now, Far Side, was that based on that cartoon? No, it wasn't. Okay. Right. No, it was based on all of our way out antics and the things that we did, and yeah. Far Side was, was like kind of taking things to the fullest level that you can as, right. a, as a performer, entertainer. And there was a moment that we saw Michael Jackson, it was like Michael Jackson 25 when he did his performance, you know, and he was completely just... And he, everything about him was performing, you know? Yeah. It was magical. Yeah, I think you're right. Everything about him was performance. It was performance. Like, there's nothing there. It, it just... Where was he? He was just... Yeah, he... he what, what was he when he wasn't performing? Yeah. He's a fucking poor guy, man. Did you ever meet him? I, d I didn't meet him, but my friend... Uh, his, my friend's dad worked with him, um, produced produced and engineered stuff for him all the time. That's so. one of those guys I just always felt so sorry for. You yeah. Know? From the beginning. I mean, He was like the, yeah, he's the epitome of that star stuff that yeah. people try to reach. You know, when you're on the outside looking in, you don't know about people's lives. You yeah. Know? And I think that goes back to what you were saying about the Beatles saying that, damn, I'm glad right. we did this together. Right. Because when you're, by, when you're by yourself sometimes, you get a lot of, there's, there's nothing to, everything comes to you. Yeah, you know. except authentic companionship, you know? A guy like that, like, everybody's lying to you. Everybody. Yeah. Nobody's going to be straight with you, except maybe Elizabeth Taylor. Somebody yeah. who's, like, as, who's been through as much shit as you have. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. if they're not too fucked up to even function, maybe they'll be straight with you. But, yeah. I think the universe kind of will work out. There's, there's, there's got to be, like, a, a star artist plan. <laughs> You know, where you get, you, you know, you're not promised, um, you're not promised to live a long life in, in general. Right. And you're not promised that the person that you're actually with are gonna, is going to be with you forever. You know, so I'm at a point in my life where I just take what I, I take what I get and really enjoy the moments that I have with a person because I don't know who they are or who they can change into. You know, I just know who they present to me at the time that they're presenting this person to yeah. me. And I know how authentic I am. And I bring that I bring that forward. Yeah. And if it and if it, you know, if that can help them to match up to where I'm at or open up to see to authenticate them, then whatever good time that I that I have with the person, I hope that takes away all those other um, what uh what do you call it? 
the agendas. Mm -hmm. I hope that breaks away those agendas because yeah. if you have, it, you know, like people want to get high off of the thing that's uncut. And if I present myself as someone that's uncut, it's gonna authenticate the person I'm in front of. Right. You know? And I'm one person that doesn't tolerate or take bullshit whatsoever. Mm. And I can see, you know, like a lot of times I can see it coming. And the times <laughs> that I don't see yeah. it coming, that's when I really get hurt or whatever, but yeah. I don't take it personal, I just keep it moving. You know? And um, back to artists, because, so, you know, I've been doing this for so long. Yeah. And I, and I have a lot of friends that, man, you know, you want to go back to the person that you grew up with to, mm. to be with her instead of being with, you know, these that you, you know, you can't, you don't know what you're seeing, you don't know what you're looking at. Yeah. But I just changed that whole, I just turned that whole coin over to, to, um, to just look at the world a little bit different and just enjoy the moments that I have because it's not guaranteed. I shouldn't expect shit from anybody and I should just make the most of the moments that I'm in. Yeah. Because um, I'm 45 now. Had a lot of great times. I had a lot of amazing relationships. But my next step is, you know, I'm just going to just enjoy whatever is in, whoever's in front of me, you know, just yeah. and live a good life. And if this person was a, a sucker, you know, a sucker motherfucker, what do they call it, <laughs> that was trying to play me or my friends in a certain capacity, um, hopefully that'll just burn off quick. Because my the way I deal with people, if you're not real, you're gonna feel it. Because you can't sit, you can't sit around me too long. Yeah. Because I'm I'm gonna put the real shit out for you all the time. Right. So, if you're not meant to be, like you'll just it's kind of like oil and water. Right. You yeah, can't last anyway. Yeah, you're not gonna hang on anyways. It's cool. But, but you those, know, I, those I, that stick will stick. Though. Yeah. Yeah, you and know? and you know what you just said, to me that's the wisdom of getting older. Is is you start. You're, ha you're happier more because you're expecting less, right. I think. You know? Absolutely. You're just like, hey, this is it today. You know? Yeah. And, and who you're being right now is who you are to me. And I know that, I mean, I just passed 16 years with uh, Casilda. Mm. And um, somebody was asking me, like, oh, what's the, you know, how do you keep a relationship going that long? And my answer was, First of all, don't think of it as a relationship. Mm. Think of it as a series of relationships. Right. Because she Never changes, you Never change, things yeah. happen. If you think the woman, you know, who was at Oscar Wilde said, the tragedy of marriage is that <laughs> women think men will change and they never do, and men <laughs> think, think women will. won't change and they do. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's like. Oh, and yeah. when they do. Oh, tell you what, menopause? Fuck. Right. Holy cow. Men will pause because they can't. <laughs> they don't know who the they don't that know is. What the fuck to do exactly. I've been pausing for I'm a few pausing, years hell now. yeah. Like, I don't know who she is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, crazy. Anyway, I interrupted you. <laughs> I interrupted you. You were, you were talking about where you're going now. Oh, in life, yeah, yeah. Um, career-wise. Yeah. So, yeah, um, so my band is called Bizarre Ride, <laughs> and Bizarre it's, Ride. it's my group, uh, it's my... Um, parts of my original group right and we're just like kind of rolling on the synergy of what it was when we first started which is awesome and yeah. we're having tons of fun and well like, that's cool so that is a return we're, in a we're way. unfiltered yeah. right like we were back in the day right so that's that and my other project is um called trademark 
which is um, Trey and DJ Newmark. And DJ uh, Newmark right, is from Trey. Jurassic 5. Right. And so DJ Newmark's like, yo, why don't we put a project together where we have some, the sound of, you know, uh, J5, uh, Jurassic 5, and uh, Farsight coming together. Uh, so this is uh, our trademark project. Right. And we, our first album is out now. And people can go on YouTube and check it out too, and they can go on iTunes and buy it. You know, what's and it called? It's called um, it's called Slim Kid Trey and DJ Newmark. It's like a self-titled record. Okay. But um, you can look under trdmrk.net. And I'll put up it. a link. Yeah, on yeah, the, yeah. On the page as well. And uh, the other thing that I do is just um, my solo stuff, which is Slim Kid Slim Kid Three, which is pronounced Slim Kid Tray. Uh -huh. Just for, <laughs> just for clarity. Today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and right now, you know, um, I'm doing a couple albums. I'm always recording. I'm just gonna take your picture here while we're talking. I, I like to take these oh, okay. so people can actually hear. All right, here he is, Slim Kid Trey. There he is. All right, <laughs> that is not a gang sign. That's not a gang sign. That's like <laughs> peace and love, deuces. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for doing this. I yeah, really appreciate absolutely, it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's and, really uh, cool. Hang I've, I had your books on audio tape. Oh, nice. And I loved it. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. Thank you. And I and I try to, um, you know turn my friends on to it as well. Yeah, you know, it's dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> yeah, it is good, but it's, it's a high-risk maneuver. No, it's, it's, it's exactly, you know, like, uh, it's like uh, peeling layers off of the, 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 the onion. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, what you said earlier about, like, you know, being real with people and it drives certain people away. Yeah. That's something we've been dealing with a lot since that book came out. You okay. Know, people are like, you know, oh, what's the book about? And we tell them, and like half the people just turn and run away, and the other half are really interesting people, you know? Yeah. So I think that's another key to getting older as well. Like, it's, also, eliminate the people you don't want to hang with. But look at look at where we are. Remember we were talking about the social, uh, the social consciousness? Or, yeah. Or, you know, um, the people that turn away, they're only turning away because, like, 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 like some certain certain girls, for instance, like when they're in certain social settings, they might not want to expose what they actually love or like to do. Oh, like, sure. Like masturbating, right. or or maybe they like more more than one guy, you know. But in a, in, in certain social settings, you know, they don't know who's going to like uh, assassinate their character. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so when you come out with something like "Sex at Dawn," like I wanted the T-shirt that said "Sex at Dawn," the big one. I remember seeing it. Oh, those are all gone. See, yeah. If you print some more up, send it my way. <laughs> you I'm like be on that, stage. Huh? Yeah, because oh, wake up to "Sex at Dawn." It said. Oh, is that what yeah, it is? Yeah. Yeah. Wake up was small, and then "Sex at Dawn" was. That's big. what I want. All right. <laughs> just so we're just for, so we're clear. <laughs> just because I, I like to do shock factor shit because it's like <clears throat> I want. America to grow up. Yeah. Europe is, you know, mature in that area. Like you can be at an airport and it's like, oh, there's a porn store in the airport. Right. And there's a woman breastfeeding her baby sitting there like it's nothing. Or there's a because it is nothing. Or there's a soap commercial with a woman taking a shower fully naked yeah. and she's taking a shower. What? Like, what's the problem? She's taking a shower. She's yeah. And so a lot of things. If if we exposed a lot, if if. If we had new beaches, there probably wouldn't be a lot of men like just, you know, being disrespectful. Because right. it's like it's normal. Make it normal. Yeah. 
Make it fucking normal. Like, uh, why do they, they have the uh, free the nipple campaign? Yeah. Yeah, it's a fucking, it's anatomy. It's a body part. It's the most beautiful creation that, yeah. that you know. And like, you and I could take our shirts off right now, but a woman but a sitting woman here can. couldn't. That's and, fucking ridiculous. And it would be ridiculous. great if they could, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, that, and so I think that we're growing and the women are growing because it's harder for us, it's harder for us as men to um, be like, yeah, that's my girl. And the girl is just like, uh, no. I'm me, yeah. and that's a beautiful thing. It's a yeah. beautiful thing to see a woman say, no, I'm me, I can do what I want with my body, and you know, I'm my own person, because they've been put inside of a jar, and it's not cool, honestly, you know? And I, I, I appreciate like going to different places and seeing where the women, there's new beaches, or, or like uh, to see a woman dance real sexy at like, was it salsa or all mm. of that stuff, and they're really getting into the like, really sexual dances yeah because they're exploring and expressing that flow and i love it the yeah. creative the actual creative flow which we call sex or vice versa or whatever is a beautiful thing so many beautiful songs come from it um so many beautiful paintings uh so many beautiful uh cathedrals were built be all because of a woman babies all because of, beautiful because babies of, you know, great <laughs> yeah. things well anyway. it's, it's nature right i mean it's nature man I, if, you know, I see these couples where, you know, they're afraid to admit that they're attracted to other people and, you know, there's all... To me, that that is as stupid as, like, never looking at a rainbow when you're around your wife because you don't want to offend her, right. you know? Like, are you kidding me, man? Right. Yeah. You know, any woman I'm going to be with is going to be able to recognize another beautiful woman walking by and look at her and appreciate it, and it's something we can do together. Mm -hmm. well, there's no reason for that to cause a problem. Are right, you true. And as brave as I sound, because I, I, this is a this is something that um, I can I'm, I'm, I can be a jealous person, mm. and it's it's only in a sense of that this beautiful woman, like man, I love her so much, and to like it's a lot. You got to go through a lot, like in in the uh, in the lifestyle circles. There's a lot of like different dynamics and stuff like that, and a person has to be really com like really comfortable to just kind of let go and let your woman love something else or someone else, yeah. you know? Because, I don't know, we're just, it's, it's that, it's that uh, what do you call it? It's almost like, ha like not having, to not have mm -hmm. makes you want more. Or, yeah. you know, like um, some people don't want to be rich because they feel they get robbed type of situation, right. you know? I don't know, man. Um, I'm learning a lot as I grow. I'm learning a lot of things that I don't have control over. Yeah. And that, and one thing I don't have control over is another person. Right. And what my my wife may love or want or or want to do, you yeah. know? And vice versa. I know it's got to be completely difficult to fucking be with a person like me, you know? Cuz <laughs> I'm always in flow mode and there yeah. there's so many blurred lines with 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 me and, you know, and uh, what is it the double standard thing? It's something that we as men have to fucking look at that, yeah. you know. And I don't, I'm not with the, you know, calling women sluts and stuff like that at all, because men do so much shit themselves. You know what I mean? Didn't Kanye? Wasn't there a tune on one of his hmm. latest records that's all about having an open relationship? And I don't know. I gotta check it out. Yeah, I was, I was running actually here in the park, okay. and I had, uh, I don't know Kanye's music very well, but. There was a song on, on my mix 
And I was listening to it and I was amazed. Like, that is about having an open relationship. It, it was... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He was saying something like, you know, it doesn't matter who you're with. I know at the end of the day, you come back to me. And mm. it, it was about... And then there's... Uh, there's one, a couple of things I heard him say, you know, like, you know, don't... Uh, don't have sex with somebody without my permission, um, it, or they. You were trying. Somebody was trying to hurt his feelings by saying, "Hey, I had sex with your girl." It was like, "Oh, I, I don't care because I had sex with the waitress." Or, you know, like it was uh, like some dynamic like that. Right. And I was like, "That's pretty interesting," you know, like uh, just to hear that things are changing. Things are definitely changing. Well, They're you changing know, rapidly right now. Hey, yeah. Okay. You know, the outcast tune? Okay, yeah. You ever listen to the words, though? I don't, but you can Dude. tell me. Well, listen, all right. So the song, you know, what's the feeling? Happy, upbeat, yep. dance, right? Listen to the words. What they say is nothing lasts forever. Then yep. what makes love the exception? We might as well be happy here. Oh, why, oh, why are we so in denial when we know we're not happy here? Right, right. It's about how relationships don't work. The, the first words are, uh, oh, my shit. baby don't mess around because she loves me so, or this I know for sure. Or... Or does she really want to, but can't stand to see me walk out the door? Don't try to fight the feeling because the thought alone is killing me right now. There's the jealousy, right? Yeah. Thank God for mom and dad for sticking two together because we don't know how. It's all about how we don't know how to have relationships now. Right. You know, we don't know how to negotiate. If what they, what's the other one? Like, hey, fellas, what's cooler than being cool? Ice, Ice cold. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, it's all about don't show your feelings. Keep it all bottled up. You know, don't share anything I'm glad that's you, real. This ain't the first time that you uh, broke down something for me. You, well, that's what I love. You, you, you always break it down the, songs, the shit man. hits me. It hits me deep. I yeah. like that. That's what's up. Yeah. yeah definitely. That, that song. There's a great uh, cover of that tune mm. by this big uh, bearded dude in Colorado with an have you seen that he sings it acoustic it's and he gets the sadness of it yeah all right man it's funny how it was like it went in both ways yeah happy music was sad well I gotta think that they were they did that on purpose right or one person like you were saying earlier maybe you know one of them wrote the lyrics and the other had the music and they just put them together I don't know I think Andre's just brilliant Andre 3000 is brilliant yeah you know yeah, no, no doubt. And that video is amazing, too. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hey, thanks, man. This Thank is really you. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I like. It's like the it's fourth like, time like we've said around. goodbye. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> All yeah. right. We'll pick it up again someday, maybe, right, in yeah. Barcelona. Huh? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and appreciate your support for the podcast, especially those of you who do it through fundwhatyoulove.com where you can set it up to take a buck, five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever you can afford, whatever you feel motivated to throw at the podcast every month. Uh, you don't have to think about it. It's an ongoing thing. You can cancel at any time, of course. That's fundwhatyoulove.com. That's run by Danny Osment, who also does the sound engineering for the show. You can find him at emeraldcitypro.com if you have any engineering, sound engineering needs. He's great. I vouch for him, of course. He's been doing the sound engineering for this podcast for over a year now, completely voluntarily. Uh, he's a cool guy. So if you have any business you want to throw his way, please do. Thanks to Basin and Range for the opening music. You can find them at basinandrangeband.com. Uh, there's a Reddit tangentially speaking discussion group. If you want to talk about episodes, throw a question at me, get a conversation started at Reddit. Just do a search for tangentially speaking, all one word. 
And of course, thanks to Bennett at Shore Design T-Shirts, another guy who's been supporting this podcast from the very beginning when I had about 15 listeners. He was there. He's still there. And uh, I love him. Never met the guy, but I love him. And I sure as hell love his shirts. So you can get his shirts at shoredesigntshirts.com. And of course, all the shirts that are at chrisryanphd.com are made by Shore Design T-Shirts in Thailand and packaged and shipped to you by my mom, Julie. Uh, say hi to Julie if you order anything. She loves it when that happens. And of course, last but not least, thanks to Carsey Blanton for the song you're about to hear, Smoke Alarm, which reminds you to carpe fucking diem because you're going to die one day. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're gonna say. And ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation to the ground.